Uh, welcome, everybody. Thank you for accommodating the change of the last-minute change of room. We're happy that you managed to find your way. Um, we're very excited uh, to host Professor Hilal Cohen, um, who is originally from Jerusalem and research researches the relationship between Jews and Arabs and Jews and Jews. Mm -hmm. um, he, in the last uh, 10 years, in the last decade, he uh, was the head of the Research Center um, for the Research of Zionism, and he's also the head of uh, the Department for uh, the Studies of Middle Eastern Studies and Islam uh, in the Hebrew University. Uh, in the past couple of years, he's written a few books. You might have heard some of them, highly recommended. Um, Year Zero of uh, the Israeli-Arab Conflict, 1929, and also Good Arabs, the Israeli Security Services and the Israeli Arabs. Um, and today, we are uh, very, very honored to hear his talk about his newest uh, book, which is called Hater's Love Story and explores the relationship between Palestinians and Israeli Jews. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you also, Yaakov, for inviting me. And uh, the book, Haters, is about relations between Mizrahi Jews and Arabs. This was my original idea, to write a book about these relation, relationships. However, when I started writing the book, I realized that without writing about Ashkenazi Jews, you cannot write anything about Israel-Palestine. So the book is about the relationship in this triangle, Ashkenazi Jews, Mizrahim, and, and Palestinians. Now, uh, I think I'll divide the talk into four parts. Uh, at the beginning, I, I, I'll talk about my assumptions and, and my methodology in, in, in researching this topic. Then about Mizrahi attitudes towards the Arabs. Then about how, how different people from different perspectives explain the Mizrahi violence against Arabs, which is very part of Israel reality in recent years. And then about what I call the Arab fantasy. The Arab fantasy is about fantasy of many Palestinians to create an alliance with Mizrahi Jews against Zionism. And this kind of, of fantasy, we can found it beginning in very early days of Zionism until present. So let us talk about uh, my assumption and my methodology. First of all, a very clear assumption that you cannot write a book about this topic without this uh, uh, assumption is that there is difference between the attitude of Ashkenazim and Mizrahim towards the Arabs. Why should we assume that? We assume that for two reasons. One reason is because Mizrahi and Arabs, they share the same culture, the same culture. Ashkenazi Jews, especially when we speak about the first decade of, of Zionism, didn't share the same culture with Arabs. So this is one reason. The other reason is because when we look at violent actions in the current years, in the last few years, it is very clear that Mizrahi Jews are over-represented uh, 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 in, in this violence act. If we take the murder of Abu Khder, the young person from Jerusalem that was burned to death by, 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 by Jews. All three people who were involved in it were Mizrahi Jews. If we take the lynch in Batyam last year, now there is a trial of these guys. All 12 people who were not yet convicted, but were put into trial, all of them were Mizrahi, and so on and so forth. I would add here that when I speak about violence, in this context, it is ex-legal violence, illegal violence. Of course, we have also legal violence. Legal violence is the violence of the army, the violence of the police. And in this kind of violence, of course, we cannot differentiate between Mizrahi Jews and Ashkenazi Jews. Another thing that we have to add is that when we speak about violence in the other side of the green line, meaning in the territories, also there is no difference between Ashkenazim and Mizrahim. The difference is to be found only within the borders of the state of Israel. So, these were my assumptions, this was my main assumption, that we have to find the roots of these differences, or if there are differences of, or not. 
And then the, the main question, methodological question was, how can we define a Mizrahi act? What defines a Mizrahi act? I'll give you a very clear example. When a Mizrahi person and Ashkenazi person both vote for, let's say, or Benjamin Netanyahu or Labour or whatever, in the elections to the Knesset. Is it uh, an Ashkenazi vote when uh, an Ashkenazi votes and a Mizrahi vote when a Mizrahi votes, or isn't it? So how can we say that a certain act is Mizrahi or, or not, or Ashkenazi or not? So what I did was to define Mizrahi act. It can be act, it can be vote, it can be proclamation, it can be writing an essay, whatever. When the person who does it writes or says that he does it because he or she does it because they are Mizrahim. It is very simple. So it is very rare to find an Ashkenazi person who would say, yeah, I vote for merit because I'm Ashkenazi. Though, of course, they vote merit because they are Ashkenazi. <laughs> but they wouldn't say it. But people would say, we vote for Netanyahu because we are Mizrahim. So this is Mizrahi act, and this is not an Ashkenazi act. So what I did is, because I'm a historian, basically, I went to the roots, I mean to the years before Zionism, to study the relations since, I would say, 1840, more or less, until last year, and to find acts of Mizrahim that were defined by the actor as they were done because they are Mizrahim. And in addition, people from outside who said, yes, they do it because they are Mizrahim, even if they do not claim, didn't claim that they did it because they are Mizrahim, but you know, observers said, of course, they did it because they are Mizrahim. So in the first instance, we can learn about the self-image of the Mizrahim. And in the second instance, we learn, sorry, about how Mizrahim are viewed from outside. So, so, so this, this was my methodology. And, 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 uh, and uh, this is what I, what I did. So my, uh, my, my, my sources were many, many archives, uh, especially state archives, the Zionist archives, but also the archives of the, of the Jewish press from, from, from the 18th and uh, 20th and 21st centuries, and the uh, memories of people and letters sent by people and so on. You know what we do when we study in archives? And then to, to map all these actions that were done by Mizrahim and were defined as Mizrahi acts by those and those, to find what were the attitudes that we can define as Mizrahi attitudes. So throughout the years, we're speaking about almost 200 years. But especially since the beginning of Zionism, so we can speak about the first Aliyah, 1882, so it's 140 years we can find the following attitudes. So the first attitude is that Mizrahim saw themselves as a bridge between Zionists who came from Eastern Europe to Palestine and the Arabs of Palestine. So this was very clear from the very beginning. And we have, and, and when I say bridge, it can be bridge for explaining, this is Zionism, you should know. Zionism is not about taking your land. Zionism is about Jews coming to the land for the benefit of everybody and so on. So we can find the, the people like uh, Malul and Shlush, Jews from mainly uh, uh, North Africa origin who settled in, uh, in Jaffa, in Haifa, in Hebron, in Jerusalem, of course, mainly in the four, four holy cities, but also, also in Haifa and Jaffa. And, and, and they explained to the Arabs that there is no, they, they shouldn't fear from, from Zionism. So this is one thing that they did. And the other was to help the people of the first Aliyah, the people of Bilu, of Hovevet Zion, to, to, to buy, to purchase land in Palestine. So they helped them even beforehand to, to buy land near, near Petah Tikva, off Petah Tikva. Uh, to buy land for Rishon Letzion for the first Mushavot. So this was the first, I would say, a, a, a way of Mizrahim to deal with Zionism. The second phenomena that I found was siding with the Arabs against Zionism as viewing Zionism as a threat 
to both the local Arabs and the local Jews. And, and uh, I, I wouldn't say that this was very, very common, but it was part, especially after the second Aliyah. The second Aliyah is between 1903 to 1914, to the beginning of the uh, First World War. And during that time, the clashes between, between people of the second Aliyah and the Arabs of Palestine started. And in few cases, it was clear that the veteran Jewish community, Mizrahi community, also Ashkenazi community of the old Yishuv, they actually viewed the people of the second Aliyah as vulgar, as bringing chaos to Palestine, as damaging the good relation between Jews and Muslims in Palestine. So one of the, the, and you know, I don't know if any of you work in, in archives and you know this kind of, uh, even before, so I, I, I'll tell I tell it in this way. Many years ago, before I started to work on this project, as they call it in, in English, uh, uh, I, I, I read a letter in the Zionist archive about an event that happened in 1908 in Jaffa. In 1908 in Jaffa, in, in the uh, evening of Purim, uh, there was uh, an attack, or let's start a couple of hours earlier. Jews stabbed an Arab in Jaffa. Why did these Jews stab the Arab in Jaffa? They stabbed this Arab, this person, not necessarily because he was blamed or accused of anything, but because the day before, Arabs harassed Jewish women of the second Aliyah near the shore of, 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 of Jaffa. So a group of the second Aliyah, one of them was Yitzhak Benzvi, later the president of the State of Israel, they arranged a kind of self-defense group and uh, they were already, you know, in Russia, where some of them were organizing this self, uh, after Kishinev and so on, they organized this in Homel and other places, they organized these self-defense groups. So they organized this uh, self-defense group in Jaffa. But self-defense, as you might know, is not always defense. Sometimes it's, you know, the best defense is to attack. So they went in the shore of Jaffa, we don't know if the same evening did anyone harass, did any Arab harass any women, Jewish women or not, but they stabbed someone, an Arab guy. Then the Arabs came to the place and there, there was what we call in Arabic toshe, balagan, knives, ballots, you know, toshe. And then they went back to the Purim party in the hotel. It was the evening of Purim. But the family of this Arab guy, they went to the Ottoman police, to the Turkish police. The Turkish police came and, 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 and surrounded the hotel. Now, there was tension between the second Aliyah and the Ottomans, because the Ottomans were against Jewish immigration, largely speaking. But the local officials were very, they felt very weak vis-a-vis -vis the, 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 the the Jewish of the Second Aliyah, because they were supported by the Russian consul, by the German consul, and by the Austro-Hungarian consul. So they couldn't do anything to them. But in this evening, they, I think, they, they, they decided to revenge. So they attacked the Jewish uh, hotel, and they start to say the Jews are attacking us, and they sh shooted into the, the Jewish crowd inside. 13 Jews were, 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 were wounded. Nobody was killed. And then there was a, 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 a huge, a voice, you know, there was a pogrom in Palestine and so on. And for our purpose, the most interesting part for me was that the people of the second Aliyah, when they wrote to Chobbe they told them that the Sephardi community in Palestine, they, say, they said, it's better to send all these Jews of the second Aliyah back to the countries we want to continue live in peace with the Arabs. They just damage all our relationship. So, so just I, I want to tell you something as, as, as a person who study subject or even just go to archives to read. When I first read this, I felt that there is something here that is not part in the way that we study history. There is something here because, of course, we know, and I think it is in many ways true, that there is something which is, we, we can call Jewish solidarity. Right? For example, in, in, uh, after Kishinev, 
you know, money was collected also in Hebron and among the Jews of Hebron and Sfat and Jerusalem to be sent to Kishinev. Uh, the Jews of the first Aliyah, they were helped by the, 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 the Jews, the local Jews. So, so Jewish solidarity is something very important in, in Jewish heritage, in Jewish history. It's, it's very basic. So when I read this, how comes that they speak so loudly and, 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 and against the idea of Shivat Zion, you know, the return to Zion and redemption of the, of the land and so on, only because of the relationship with the Arabs. So I started to study it and I realized that at that time there were voices like that. I mean, for, for these people who, you know, from, from, from Muslim countries who lived here, sometimes for one or two generations, sometimes for many generations, they felt comfortable with the Arabs. It's not like the, you know, again, what sometimes some people tell us that Jews under the Ottomans or Jews under the Arabs all the time were persecuted and their life were in danger and so on and so forth. We have evidence from real time that, you know, that it was not only so. Of course, there were all kinds of histories uh, uh, or, or, okay. So, so what I'm saying is that this was a, the second, the second uh, let's say, attitude of Jews of Israeli origin to, to Zionism. And the third one is radical enmity towards the Arabs. Radical enmity into, to, to the Arabs. But he, here, the radical enmity towards the Arabs is also can be divided into two, I would say. One way of anti-Arab attitude is very close, in my opinion, to the Iron Wall of Jabotinsky. It means that the Arabs now are, are against us, they are against Zionism, we have to break their opposition, we have to fight against them, we have to have no mercy, but at the end, we can live together. This is the idea of Jabotinsky. This later became also the idea of Moshe Sharet and Ben-Gurion. This is the main Zionism, this is, in a way, the Israeli policy since then, since the 1920s. The other anti-Arab is more radical because the other one is, and it's based many times on, on Kabbalistic interpretations of interrelation between, between peoples, is we hate Arabs because they worth be hated, because they are the sons of Ishmael, they are the sons of Hagar, they have no value, their soul is, is uh, Tameh, I don't know. Impure. So, so we don't have to. So, so, so it's not about. Okay, we have to fight now in order to to bring into an equality, like uh, Jabotinsky famous saying. Okay, if the, the prime minister is a Jew, the, the his his second would be an Arab. No, it's not. No, they always should be under our feet. So, this is this is the the, the third. Uh, the third uh, attitude, divided into two. When we, when we look uh, to the years following the British occupation of Palestine, we can see the turning point in 1929. 1929, until 1929, I checked the archives of the Haganah. Mizrahim almost didn't, went, didn't go to the Haganah, didn't recruit, were not part of the, mil of the, of the military organization whatsoever. And when they were asked in real time, why don't you join the Haganah? They said, we don't have any problem with the Arabs. You make problem with the Arabs, you have to defend yourself. But we don't have. It was so in Haifa, there was a large Jewish community in area which was called Ardil Yahud, the Jews land, the, the Jewish neighborhood of Haifa. No one there went to the Haganah. Uh, the same was true in, in, in uh, most of the Mizrahi neighborhoods of Jerusalem, of Tel Aviv Jaffa, and of Hebron. And this was true until 1929. Because what happened in 1929 is, as you probably know, is that most Jews that were killed in the massacres of 1929, in Hebron and in Sfat, and in Jerusalem, the three areas, and of course, out of 133, half were killed in, in, in Hebron. 
most of them were not part of the Zionist movement. They were Zionist in a way. I mean, they were Jews who lived in Eretz Israel, and they supported also, and this was part of the problem, they supported the Zionist movement in the sense that they supported the Balfour Declaration, and they believed in the Jewish homeland, and they started also to support the immigration of Jews into Palestine. Because what happened after, after Balfour Declaration is that these Mizrahi Jews, they had to choose between siding with the Arabs or siding with the Zionist movement. And after Balfour Declaration, it was clear that the Zionist movement is much stronger. So why to side with the Arabs? So of course, we have cultural, cultural uh, uh, heritage uh, shared, and we, we speak the same language. But now, first, we have an opportunity to become a majority in the country. And second, we know that the British, is in our, the British government is in our side. So, for example, in 1922, when the, 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 the Palestinian delegation went to London in order to try to convince the, the, the British government to, to, to withdraw from the Balfour, from the Balfour Declaration, the, the, the spokesperson of the, of the, of the delegation, uh, Jamal al-Husseini, he said, we represent all the inhabitants of Palestine, the veteran inhabitants of Palestine, Muslim, Jews, and Christians. And he believed that he also represents the, the old communities of, 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 of the Jews. Representatives of the Zionist movement from London wrote back to Palestine and told them, this is what he said to the Evening Star, I don't know, to the Times of London or whatever. And in 48 hours, all representatives of all Jewish communities in Palestine that I mentioned, the Mugrabi, the Persian one, Persian, there was a big community of Persian in, in Tzfat, also in Jerusalem. Rabbi Ishmael Cohen was the head of the community in, in, in Tzfat. So, so, so they said, we are, like all the people of Israel, support the Balfour Declaration. So since then, it was clear that they choose a side. They choose a side in the political realm, but they did not join the military path of the, of the, of the issue. So... This is what makes them most vulnerable of all. Because on the one hand, they declare that they are not with the Arabs. On the other hand, they didn't arm, them, arm them themselves, they didn't join them. So they were, in 1929, the victims in Hebron, in Jerusalem, in Sfat, and in all other places that Jews were attacked, they had weapons of, for self-defense. So Bet Alpha was attacked. Bet Alpha was a kibbutz much smaller than the Jewish community of Hebron, but they were well armed. The same is true for Amatrachel, the same is true for, for other kibbutzim when they were attacked, or for Tel Aviv. When they were attacked, there were dozens of Jews, with armed Jews, who could defend. The Jews of Hebron, they refused to receive support from the Haganah, and then they, they were killed. So since then, it was clear for, for, for the Jews of Palestine, for the Arabs of Palestine, that the division now is on national basis not anymore on cultural basis or the Jews, the Arab Jews can be part of the Arab state uh, to be. It became clear, but still there was Arab fantasy that I mentioned. In 1936, 1936 is the, is the, is the, is the Arab revolt of Palestine between 1936 and in 1931, the labor, different labor parties united into one party, which is Mapai. And Mapai became the hegemonic force in the Yishuv. And they, beforehand, they established the Istadrut and so on and so forth. Between the Istadrut and the Sephardi community, Mizrahi communities of the land of Israel, there was tension from the very beginning. Why there was tension? The tension was because the Istadrut was established by immigrants from, from Eastern Europe. People from the local communities, even if they joined the Eastern route, they were not given work from the Eastern route. They were not part of the system of the Eastern route in the way that they wished to. So they were excluded from getting work in the sense that I call it that the, the conquest of labor of the second Aliyah and the third Aliyah was not only from the Arabs, but also from the Mizrahi Jews. The Mizrahi Jews were fired 
from many places. When, 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 uh, 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 for example, when there were big projects of building in Jerusalem, uh, it can be King David Hotel, the YMCA, the synagogue, the big synagogue Yishurun, the big synagogue of Beit Vagan, Faradi, even the Sephardi synagogue of Beit Vagan, all the, all the laborers, the workers, were Ashkenazi Jews. They didn't accept, even members of the Istadrut. So there was this kind of tension to the degree that in 1937, the, 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 the organization of Sephardi Jews in Jerusalem, the right to the Zionist the Zionist uh, headquarter, they wrote them, do you want to open civil war against us? We are not interested in civil war. You cannot exclude us from, from, from everything that belongs to the issue. So you can understand the, the degree of the tension. At the very same time, the Etzel organization, the, 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 the Ergun Tzvei Leumi, the National Militaristic organization, later led by Menachem Begin, was established. And from that point onwards, we can see that the percentage of Mizrahi Jews in the Haganah is very small, remained to be very small. And in Etzel, it is more or less as the percentage in the Jewish community in Palestine. Uh, the, the, the percentage of Mizrahi Jews at that time was about 30%. About 30% of the people of the Etel were Mizrahim. In the Haganah, it was about 5 or 6% Mizrahi Jews. So we can see at that time that there is already a kind of division between, and connection between anti ethnic origin and political and military organization. So these are the roots of what, of course, we see now, but we have to understand that it started even before the mass immigration of Jews in the 50s. But what happened next is that during the revolt and after the revolt, meaning until 48, both the Haganah and the Etzel, they used terror methods against Arabs. And we have a lot of incidents about you know, putting bombs in, in markets, entering uh, villages and killing innocent people and so on and so forth. But the interesting point for us is that many times when the participants or the attackers were Mizrahi Jews, you could read in the newspaper Davar, Mizrahi or let's say Sephardi Jews or people of Edota Mizrah, the Sephardi communities, uh, uh, were involved in in, in, in murderous crime in a Palestinian village, in an Arab village. But when Ashkenazi Jews did it, they would say, uh, Jews killed Arabs. So the point was that the, the labeling, the labeling, when this, again, like I said about voting for Netanyahu or for Meretz, when, when, when Mizrahi Jews did the same thing exactly that Yigal Alon did. Yigal Alon and his team, they entered the village of Lubya in the, of course it, it's not existing now, it was in the lower Galilee, and they entered a family that was mourning their son, and they killed about seven people that they were in the building. So nobody said, you know, Ashkenazi Jews entered the house and did this and this. But when Mizrahi Jews did, of course it was written Mizrahi Jews did it. So here we can see the, the, this kind of labeling, and I would argue that it became also the self-definition of Mizrahi Jews themselves. And at the same time, at the same time of, 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 the, of the Arab revolt in Palestine. Uh, it is Judah Magnus who wrote about a conversation that he had with the Sephardi uh, young adults uh, after a bomb was put in a market in Jerusalem. And he said, they told me it is right to do that. If the Arabs do it, we also can do it. We are also from the Middle East. And this is the rule of the Middle East. We can see the same argumentation, of course, until today. This is the first time that I found it uh, written. Uh, maybe some people used it even before, uh, and we didn't find. But the idea is, yes, we are from here, we are from the Middle East, 
we know how to speak the language of the Middle East, and the language of the Middle East is violence. This is the language of the Middle East. Now, this is a difference between the generation before, because the generation before, the language of the Middle East was peace, peaceful. It was about, let us live together. We don't want the conquest of land, the conquest of labor. We live together, together here. So here we can see in 20, 30 years, a total change in the attitude of I wouldn't say all of the Mizrahi Jews, but some of the Mizrahi Jews. And still there were people during that very time that believed in cooperation between Jews and Arabs. Some of them joined the Communist Party. Simchat Sabari is one of the most famous of them, but also Castel and others that believed that, yeah, Zionism is a source of evil in the Middle East. Now, I, we have to say something about Zionism. Maybe some of you think that is a source of evil, some of you think that is a source of uh, redemption. And I would say that we have to see both sides of the coin. Uh, for many Jews, it was source of salvation. They saved their life because of Zionism. And, and these are the very, very years, I mean, since the rise of uh, Hitler to power in 1933 until the, the, the beginning of the war, these six years were the years in which Jews came in huge masses into Palestine and changed, actually, the demography of Palestine. But these Jews came to Palestine because they uh, didn't have anywhere else to go. You know, after the United States changed the laws of, of, of immigration in 1924-25, Jews, I mean, the, the only, if to put it in a, a Zionist way, if you have to choose between a train to Auschwitz or, or, or boat to Palestine, you prefer to take a boat to Palestine, right? So, so, so it's not about blaming Zionism for, for being Zionism or for, being, for, for, for the will or desire to save Jews. The question is about what happens when the Jews arrive into Palestine. And the question is if the Jews arrive to Palestine in order to live in peace with the Arabs of Palestine or in order to control Palestine and control the Arabs of Palestine. So this is the main difference. Also, this is more uh, uh, complex than that, and I'm not speaking here about Zionism, of course. It's easier studies. So it's, it's a... So the, I go back to the point of labeling. The, the, the labeling Mizrahis as, as, as those who uh, uh, involved in atrocities more than others continued to the war of 1948. For example, there were, you know, the famous massacre in Dir Yassin. Despite the fact that the Haganah was also involved, the role of the Haganah in Dir Yassin was marginalized. Etzel and Lehi didn't succeed in occupying Dir Yassin without the, the support of the Haganah. And then David Ben-Gurion wrote in his diary, Kurds, Jew, Jewish of, from Kurdistan, are proud of what they did in Dir Yassin. So this is one example. The other example is the village of Dwaime. The village of Dwaime, I guess, about Dir Yassin. All of you heard about the village of Dwaime, the massacre in Dwaime. It's less famous. Uh, it is in the western slopes of Mount Hebron. It is where Mushab Amatsya is today, in the Lachish area. And, and also dozens of Arabs were killed there. And again, despite the fact that there were people from all ethnicities, let's say, Jews from all ethnicities, uh, Israel Galili was the head of the Haganah. He, he wrote, uh, Moroccan Jews did this and this. And it was clear that it was not only them, it was... Uh, this kind of labeling, and I hope I use the right term, Continue also after after 48, after the, the mass immigration. And I just bring one example from 1956, and again about massacre. Sorry if you are after, after lunch. <laughs> and this is a massacre in, in Kibia in 1953. Kibia was a Palestinian village at that time in the West Bank under, under Jordan, and after Two, two, three Israelis were killed by 
Palestinians who infiltrated from the area of Kibya to the, uh, to the Moshavim near Ben Gurion Airport, Ariel Sharon uh, was nominated to lead a revenge attack on the village of Kibya, and he wrote in the order of the day to kill as many people as possible. And indeed, they blew up houses and killed dozens of, uh, of people inside the village of Kibya. And then the day after, the United Nations was involved at that time in what happened, what happened in Palestine, and, 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 and the Israel government was asked about what happened, and David Ben-Gurion said in the Knesset, and then in the radio, I checked all the military units of the IDF, and none of the IDF units left its camps in that night. Maybe what happened was done by Jewish immigrants from Muslim states who have the tradition of revenge, or by survivors of the Holocaust, that they were afraid because of the infiltration into their, into their villages. So we can see here that we have two groups that were you know, uh, mentioned by, by, by Ben Gurion, but the Holocaust survivors, one of the differences between, between Mizrahis and Ashkenazis today uh, is that in the first generation, uh, uh, of course, the, the survivors of the Holocaust, everybody knew they are survivors of the Holocaust. In the third generation today, when you see Ashkenazim in Israel, there is no difference between grandsons of survivors and, and grandsons of people who left Palestine beforehand. It's, it's nothing. But the Mizrahi identity remained. The, the Holocaust identity did, did not. And also at that time, it was only one of the very few mention, mentions of, of the Holocaust in this context. In other, in other uh, even if in the Knesset, when there was discussion about whether to continue the revenge attacks against Arab villages, because there was debate within the government whether to continue it or not, the main, or one of the main arguments was, we have to continue it, because if we wouldn't do it, it will be the, the Mizrahim who will do it independently. This, of course, was not true in any way. It was not true in any way in the sense that, do you really believe that a, that a tailor from Casablanca would go to revenge more than someone from, from, from uh, Varsha? There is no reason to believe in it. But this was the discourse uh, uh, to the degree that all the revenge that I checked, some of them are still uh, uh, classified, so you cannot reach them, but the most famous one was a revenge attack conducted by Meir Harzion after his sister was killed. Meir Harzion was considered to be the best soldier in the Israeli army since Bar Kokhba. <laughs> this is how he's, he was defined by Moshe Dayan. And, and he was a legendary soldier and so on. He, his, his sister, Shoshana, with her boyfriend, Oded Wegmeister, they went to travel in Judea Desert. Judea Desert was under Jordanian rule, and they were followed by Bedouins from Awel Ka'abne tribe or the Jahalin tribe. There is debate within these two tribes. I sat with people from Jahalin two weeks ago, and they said, no, it's not us, it's the Ka'abne. You sit with the Ka'abne, no, it's not us, it's them. Anyhow, she was killed, and her boyfriend was killed, Meir Artyon with two friends of him, Kibbutznikim, from, from, the, from the Jezreel Valley, they went to the Jahalin and they killed by knife five innocent people. And uh, so this is the most famous, you know, this kind of revenge uh, done by, by, uh, by, by Israeli citizens. It was when he was uh, not part of his, uh, of his military activity. And of course, he was not a Mizrahi. Not only that he was not Mizrahi, he also recommended not to accept Mizrahim to Sayyidat Matkal. But this is another story. Uh, so, 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 so we can see that you have the image of the Mizrahi, and you have the reality, and the connection is not very strong. But in the 60s, there is some differences, but also, so I studied events of quarrels 
or, or lynchings and this kind of event in Israel in the 60s between Jews and Arabs. So there were events in Rishon Lezion, in, uh, in Netanya, uh, in Ramleh. These were the main places. And in, this, in all these cases, the titles in the newspapers was Moroccan Jews attacks Arabs, or Libyan Jews, Tripolitan, attack Arabs, or Iraqi Jews attack Arabs. So the, the issue of the origin was very clear. There were another cases between kibbutzim and Arab villages. Never, never, ever the, the ethnic origin of the kibbutzim was mentioned. So you have, first of all, cases of this kind and that kind, and the labeling. After 67, uh, you can see that there is, and mainly after 77, there is a change uh, in, 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 uh, in the use of violence uh, by citizens. And since then, one can see that major acts of violence are indeed uh, done by Mizrahi Jews. The Ashkenazi Jews, the Ashkenazi, they are not part of illegal, uh, almost, are not part of illegal, illegal uh, uh, violence within the green line. We have to, to emphasize it, within the green line, because on the other side of the green line, in, in Judea and Samaria, most of the violence by Jews, by settlers, is by Ashkenazi Jews, like Rav Levinger or Pinchas Wallerstein or other people who were involved in shooting and, 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 and harassing Arabs in, in, uh, in different areas. But in, inside Israel, it changed. Now the main, and it is interesting, the main uh, way that it happened was, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. The, the, after 77, the tension between Mizrahi Jews, Mizrahi and Ashkenazim arose. And this was also during the election campaigns of 81 and 84, in which this was a, almost the main topic of the, of the elections between Mizrahi and Ashkenazim. And this was also the time in which two important incidents happened. When we speak about violence of Mizrahim, one is, is the, the murder of Emil Grinzweig by Yona Avrushmi during the, 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 the uh, Peace Now campaign against the war in Lebanon. And Yona Avrushmi said, what I did was a Mizrahi act. Mizrahim are against Arab, and Ashkenazim, they are pro-Arab. So this is why I did it. And he said, look, there, there are no Mizrahim that are pro-Arabs. Another important incident of that time, two, a year earlier, is that of David ben Shimol. David ben Shimol, he took a missile from his army unit, and he shiger, shot shut it into a bus of Arabs between Jerusalem and Hebron. He did it in Jerusalem. When he was caught and brought to trial, he said, look, I'm from Morocco. All my friends are Moroccans. All my neighborhoods are Moroccans. And we know how we, we lived with the Arabs. We know Arabs. And we know that they understand only, only, only power, only violence. This government understands nothing. You have to give us to act against them, and then everything will be okay. Because it was after a couple of, of, of uh, anti, a couple of terror attacks, Palestinian terror attacks. So, so we can see that since, since then, and it is true till the present, as I said, inside the Green Line, it is a misery. Now the question is a question how this is explained. What is the explanation for the dominance of, 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 of uh, Mizrahi Jews in anti-Arab violence? So during the, the years, there were a couple of, uh, couple of explanations, some 
were brought by, by Mizrahim, some by Ashkenazim, some by both. So the first explanation was that Mizrahim are more violent because they come from violent culture, which is Arab culture. So this is why they, they, they behave like Arabs. So, so, so if you have if you, if you have problem between Jews and Arabs in Ramle, it would be solved, solved by, 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 by violence. This is one explanation. Second explanation is that Jews from Muslim countries, they suffered, more, suffered from the Arabs. Many years, many generations. So when they came to the land of Israel, to the state of Israel, they have now power to revenge for years and years or, or, uh, and years of persecution. This was the second explanation. So both this explanation, they go back to pre-state or pre-immigration to Israel period. And they said the roots of the violence is not here. The roots of the violence are in the Muslim countries, either because of the culture or because of Jewish-Arab relations in these countries. The third explanation is that it has to do a lot with the marginalization of Mizrahim in the state of Israel. And then you have to look also, according to this explanation, you have to look also about street violence in other countries. And you see that most of street violence, ex-judicial violence, is done by the lower classes. So also in Israel it is the lower classes. And if the Mizrahim were channeled into the lower classes, the result is that they were inv being involved more in, in street violence. So these are the three main uh, explanations. And we can find it, uh, as I said, all of them, both by Mizrahi Jews and by Ashkenazi Jews and observers from abroad. Now the third point, the last point that I want to mention here, and then we'll open it to discussion is about what I call the Arab fantasy of Mizrahi Arab alliance against Zionism. For many people, this is a great idea. And you know that uh, the, the, some of you might know the El Ashokot article about, about uh, Sephardim as the victims of Zionism and so on and so forth. We also know in history that, for example, I mentioned the early history of the 1908 or 1920s, but also in the 1970s, the Black Panthers. The Black Panthers, mainly Moroccan Jews, not only Moroccan, Mizrahi Jews, mainly from Jerusalem, but also from other, other cities. They were among the first Israelis to meet with Yasser Arafat, to call for negotiation between the PLO and Israel, to call for Israel-Palestine peace, to call for leaving or withdrawing from the West Bank and so on. So we are among the mo most leftist. And they also established relationship with, with Palestinians, which was against the norms, the Israeli norms at that time. So we can see that the tendency or the attitude of, uh, of being bridge or even to be anti-Zionist continued after the mandate period. But this is not true anymore, except for a very tiny minority. Even most of the followers of, uh, of the Black Panthers are now followers of Shas. I mean, personally, when you, 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 you talk to them, you, if you know them, you, you, you can see it. So what, what, what is the reason for the demise of this idea? So it is very, this is very simple. This is very simple. It can be put in the, by a very simple explanation. Blood speaks. It is about blood. It started in 1929. You can speak, as a Palestinian, about Mizrahi Arab alliance. But when you attack Jews of Mizrahi origin, so why should they be your partners? It, can, it, it, it cannot go both. And this happened in 1929. It happened in 1948. If you take the 1970s, 1970s were the high days of Palestinian terror, attacks on civilians. This is what I mean, not 
any attack would be defined as terror. But attack on civilians. Again, I don't know how much you are familiar with Israeli history, but you know the attack on the school in Ma'alot, in which 20 people, 20 high school students were killed, the attack in Bet She'an, the attack in Kiryat Shmona, all these attacks were directed at Mizrahi communities in the 70s. So on the one hand, in the very same years, you know, the leader of uh, the Democratic Front of uh, Liberation of Palestine, Naif Hawatmi, he speaks about we want to build bridge with the Jews, and then we have Yasser Arafat speaks about the Mizrahi Jews who are victims of Zionism, and we together, the Arab Jews and the Arabs of Palestine, we are one unit against Zionism and so on and so forth. At the very same years, the victims of terror are Mizrahi Jews. This is not the way to create, you know, alliance. And the same in the 90s. You know, most of the victims of the, of the terror attacks of the 90s, when, 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 when bombs are blown in buses, it, who, 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 who use buses in Israel? People who do not ride bicycles because they are not green enough, and they do not ride cars because they are not rich enough. So it's mainly the, the Mizrahi, the lower class. So again and again and again, you speak about building bridges with Mizrahim and you kill Mizrahim, you attack Mizrahim. So this is why it, it, it didn't work. I wouldn't say it cannot work. I, I wouldn't say also that it can work. But this is where we are. So, uh, I think we can... Uh, something optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> Give us something. <laughs> uh, the future will be very, very good. <laughs> <laughs>